Uh, the title of the message today is Growing Pains. Growing Pains. And so what's going through your mind now is, okay, what do I know about growing pains? Some of you, it's a sitcom years ago, Growing Pains. Uh, some of you um, know that as when kids are growing up, they complain about their joints or whatever, and you've heard doctors say or somebody say, well, there was a growing pains that you're experiencing. Your body's growing growing, and you're having to adjust with that. So uh, growing pains. Let me just... Uh, I threw out a couple here. Um, for a kid growing up, there's also emotional growing pains. They experience stuff, uh, trauma. We heard talk about trauma. And so there's growing pains and how do we handle those things? Um, uh, for youth, going into the teen years when their bodies are switching up so much, it's like, ah, oh, what is this vehicle that I'm driving and how do I function in that? Um, there's the young adults, um, you know, in the early 20s, you're out of high school, you're deciding on college, or there's a certain someone that maybe you're going to get married to, and so uh, growing pains. So I'm just covering the gamut of growing pains, and uh, married life or single life, growing pains, and how to adjust to that. And here's a beautiful one, young marrieds with children. Now they have to adjust to this new little bundle and I asked a young man the other day, I saw him over at the garage sale, and uh, I said, well, how's that going with that new little bundle? And he said, it's, um, I love this stage best so far. And so it was like, that's, that's good. But that's when we start to find out um, a, little more, a little bit more about true love. True love is uh, pouring out of yourself. And so uh, young marrieds are learning how to do that with this this new little one. And then as the family grows and more kids maybe. and uh, So we're talking about growing pains as the family grows. And then all of a sudden you're driving to church and they start to argue. The kids start arguing with each other or you can't find your sock. The, Where's my favorite sock? And, the, and it just growing pains, right? You add more people to the family, there's growing pains. Um, so I want to switch gears to now start talking about, say, a small company. Small company starts growing. Now you start to have growing pains because now you bring in employees and then with employees and then benefits. And, and so now from a small business now to a bigger business, you have growing pains. Like, how do we handle these things? Okay, so thank you for... Uh, going on this this journey with me, talking about growing pains, because what we're going to see in Scripture today is there's growing pains with the church. It started out with Jesus calling them one at a time, maybe a couple at a time, and then he had the 12, and then the 70, 72, and then 120. And, and so growing pains. So we're going to look at one of the growing pains that happened with the early church as they started to grow. And as a way of reminder, the church started growing when the Holy Spirit came down. Amen? And when the Holy Spirit came down, that changed everything because it was God's love just being poured out. And these people were just loving one another like they had never done before. They were caring about each other's needs. And it was a phenomenal thing that they had never experienced before, seeing that kind of love being poured out. 
And you and I know that we can identify God working in and through us is when that love, care for others starts to happen more and more and we're going, it feels good (laughs) to help someone else. It feels good to experience God in this way. So what's happening is that there's uh, a Jewish people that have... uh, been raised there in Jerusalem and Israel. And then there were those that were coming for the festivals that were actually born in other countries, but they were Jewish. But when they were born, they were learning to speak that language and they were coming to these festivals. And so they had another language. That's why at Pentecost, that God gave them the gift of tongues at that point to speak other languages for these Uh, Jewish people coming in that they would hear the truth. So, um, so amazing. They had this amazing feeding program that was going on that they were making sure that everybody got a square meal. Everybody was taken care of. And then something happened that didn't seem like love, that there were some widows that, were born in other countries. They spoke the Greek language. They came over. They were being overlooked in the feeding program. And so they said, where's the love? Ultimately, they said, why are our widows, those in need? Because back in the day, uh, widows without the husband or without the son, they were really in a bad way. But there's this amazing love going on at that time and everyone was being taken care of. But the widows of the Greek speaking Jewish people, they were being overlooked. And so really what they were saying is, where's this love that you're talking about? Isn't that amazing? Because that is the core of God's heart is love. And when it's missing, something doesn't feel right. So where's the love? Maybe you're here today and there's been some things happening in your life and you've been asking that same question. Where is the love? Where is the love, God? We can't function without love because God is love. We need to get that love daily from God, from knowing the truth of who he is, but really from others. That's why the church, that's why the body of Christ filled with the spirit is we would each sense and know love from one another. So um, we're going to be in Acts, but go back to um, 1 John. So way back by Revelation, and I read this earlier, and I just want to home run on this. If you don't hear anything else with the time that we have this morning, this right here is the clincher for you. Because in order for you to do anything, you need to know that you are loved. So 1 John chapter 4. Uh, We're going to start at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, 
for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So it's like it's as simple as that, friends, family. And this is love. The love of God was manifest toward us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. This is that new life that we might live through him. That's what born again is about. In this is love, verse 10, not that we love God, but he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, then we ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. I want to pause for a minute. This invisible God shows up by being physical to others through love. God in us is expressed through you and me, this invisible God, because God is love. Amazing. So I was, the last couple of weeks, God brought me to this passage right here, and I just couldn't shake it. It was like, I don't know if I, I've understood this all these years about how critical it is to walk in this kind of love that is from God. Verse 13, By this we know we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. There it is. It's his spirit in us. Verse 14, And we have seen and we testify that the Father sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Now we're on his agenda. We understand why Jesus came and why he called us. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Wow. Do I get it? Do you get it? That how do we identify God and its love? The question is, what is love? And he described that love, that this compassion of he died on the cross. He suffered for you and for me to live this new life, to help others. The most amazing love is when one sacrifices themselves for another. Okay, so with that being laid out, let's go to Acts chapter 6. And let's look at how they step through these growing pains with love. How did they step through this? So Acts chapter 6, here it is. Here's their kind of conflict, but how they managed it. Here's this growing pains as they got big. All of a sudden they missed something and then they had to correct it. Isn't that amazing that... 
God allows opportunities for you and me to correct some things in our lives. So it says in verse uh, 1, In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews or the home Hebrews or the uh, national Hebrews by the Hellenists, and that's Greek-speaking Jews, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Okay, so that was... That was, where's the love? It's like something's not happening here. Where's this, this love that everybody gets to share in this distribution? Where's the love? Here's the answer. The answer had come this way. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So what was beautiful is they they had a solution to the problem, and that was that they would give the solution back to them. (laughs) it's like genius (laughs) they're complaining so let's give them a way to fix this this problem so the widows are being there's not enough people to help this to happen there needs to be somebody to help this whole thing to happen and so we can't all of a sudden quit uh, teaching and praying and go make sure this Issues taken care of. We need to appoint others. And they said, you find them for us. Isn't that genius? You find those seven men, seven men that are going to help this, uh, take care of this problem because they recognized where's the love. Well, we're going to fix that. We're going to get the love to them and we need help. And isn't it amazing that that's what's God, that, that is exactly what God has done with you? Is he has called you to help. He's called you to be a part of loving people to Jesus. And we each have a different place. But if you've believed on the Lord Jesus, he is, people haven't gone out to pick you like they're doing here, but God handpicked you to be a part of the solution to the problem of where's the love. The world keeps looking for where's the love and they're looking in all the wrong places, right? And he's appointed you to display and to speak of that true love that is the only way that people can find that peace that they need. Where's the love? So they appointed or they told them to go and find I thought it was amazing that they're kind of following Jesus' teaching. Do you remember when the crowds gathered and they realized they needed food? And you know what Jesus did in in, uh, John, in the Gospel of John? Uh, He turned to Philip and he said, "Uh, go buy some food for them. And Philip goes, we don't have enough money to feed even some of these 
We, but Jesus was asking them to participate in problem solving. Participate in problem solving. So he said this to Philip and Philip's response. But then Andrew, Andrew got to thinking and he said, hey, there's a kid here. <laughs> Maybe this can help, right? He's got five loaves of barley bread and he's got two fish. Maybe that can help. What was, what was Andrew thinking? Well, way to go, Andrew. That's when we'll start dividing that up. But God had another plan. It was their solution that God would take that and he would multiply it. See, God wants to do something supernatural, Holy Spirit through you and through me that takes what we have to offer and does something way beyond what you and I could do. And so how brilliant that the disciples, the Holy Spirit, had them ask the group to participate. And how did he ask them to participate? Raise your hand if you already caught it. How did he ask them to participate in the solution to the problem of the feeding? Yes. (laughs) Kind of. Kind of take care of it yourself. Kind of take care of it yourself. Let's read this through then. I'll read the whole text through. And then we'll have the answer and then we'll talk about it again. So then it says, verse 2, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve the tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually prayer and in the ministry of the word. And verse 5 then shows that they took action and they did it. This saying pleased the multitude and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, uh, Philip, Prochorius, Nicantor, or Nicanor, uh, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So let's go back to that solution. The solution was find godly men. So what was interesting is they knew who they were. Well, there's this person. How did they know that they were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom except that they displayed that in the way they made decisions and the way they lived their lives and maybe even the words they spoke? But I thought it was beautiful that they... They knew them right away in their community. They knew who they were. Now, they didn't ask them to go look for accountants, even though they may have been able to do that. 
They didn't ask them to go look for those that were, they were most schooled, but they asked them to look for those that were filled with the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. And the crowd knew who they were, and they went and picked them. Beautiful uh, demonstration of how God uh, takes care of where's the love. He includes people in on the solution, and he asks that, look for the godly people among you, look for the godly men, and they are the ones we're going to assign to this business right here. Isn't that beautiful? Different than the world. But it's the godliness that they were looking for. So, um, in this choosing of godly men, uh, there's evidence of God in their life. And where, what do we hear in Galatians chapter, chapter 5, verse 22, about the fruits of the Spirit or evidence of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So that's the kind of stuff they were looking for. That's the Spirit. That's the character that God was developing in them. And they, were, they found them. Now, as the church grew, looking at my time here, um, there were some specifics that um, Paul was teaching Timothy to look for. So turn to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1. So you're in Acts now, so take a, a right and head towards the back of your Bible. First um, Timothy, there's a first and second Timothy. If you get to Hebrews, you've gone too far. First um, Timothy, first Timothy chapter, um, chapter three. This is what Paul said with specifics about what does this love practically look like in a godly man's life to be a bishop or an overseer or one that serves tables, the deacon that serves tables. Verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of an overseer or a bishop or elder, whatever your translation has right there, he desires a good work. He says, this person then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good reputation, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetousness, covetous, one who rules his own household well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he care for the church of God? Not a new believer, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into the reproach and snare of the devil. Let me just say, it all is wrapped up in that reputation. Those who are outside the church, those who are inside the church, reputation. 
reputation. And I had to ask myself as well as I want to ask you right now, what is your reputation? What do those who are outside the church, what do they say about you? What, what do those inside the church say about you? What is, do you know your reputation? And what God wants for each of us is they would see God in us, love. <laughs> we're sacrificing, for, we're helping others, we're, we're following God. That's the kind of stuff. Interesting, the same qualifications for the deacon, which means servant. Let's see, I had a, a, a definition of deacon. Minister, attendant, servant who carries out the commands of another, cares for the poor, and takes charge over the finances. So that's the same characteristic as the elder or as the church leader is the same characteristic of those that serve. So you can't get out of, you can't get out of the love thing. You, you have the same requirements on those that mow the lawn as those that do the work or... Same requirements except for one. There's one in here. The, the elder, the bishop, is one that is able to teach. It doesn't say that for here, uh, for the deacon. You don't have that requirement. But the love still is there. The love requirement. So where's the love? So back in Acts, so I just read ahead to how Paul had to explain to Timothy, the church that was growing there, he said, this is, this is the kind of men that you look for to lead the church and to serve uh, the church of God. Here's, here's what you do. And we started out saying they've got to be people, of, of men of good reputation. So back in 6 then of Acts, so where's the love? They, they go through this and the group chooses these godly men and puts forth these godly men. And I looked up... Uh, the definition of these men. Uh, Stephan is crowned one. Philip, I like this one, is a lover of horses. That's where that name comes. Any Philips in this room? Lover of horses? Okay, yeah. Phyllis, I guess, can be back too. Um, Prochorius is a leader of choruses. Okay, somebody that loves music. I know there's a couple over here. Um, Nicanor is a conqueror. Conqueror. Um, you can get through things. When Timon is honorable. Honorable. Parmenius is abiding. One who loves potlucks. <laughs> and I see there's visitors among us that are uh, Parmenius. They love potlucks. Abiding. And, and just sharing, having a good time together in the Lord, of course. And Nicholas, victor of the people. Victor of the people. So here are the men that they brought forward. And here's then what the 12 did. Is where is the, where's the action point or where is the follow through? They took them and they prayed over them in verse 6. And they laid their hands on them. And so what they did was they officially with God's ordination, ordaining choosing, choosing of them. They were the chosen. They were the chosen to do a specific work at that place at that time. 
you and I, if you've believed in the Lord Jesus, you've been chosen and there's a specific job that he's given you for a specific time. So many of you have worn different hats through the years of serving the Lord. You're a teacher one moment and then you're cleaning toilets the next moment. And then you're, but you've received your marching orders for, for that time for that time to do that. And maybe and it's extended. Maybe you get the one position for a while, but all that to say it's the gift of the Holy Spirit for the benefit of all. Whatever you're doing is for all the people. It's not just something you just, it's mine, it's mine, and it's me, 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 I, I, I. If I don't feel good, I'm not, it's now. No, I want you to feel good. I want, I want you to experience God's love. That's what's been happening to you since you've believed in the Lord Jesus. That simple truth about God's love changes people's lives. If you don't know you're loved by God today, may you experience that today. May you experience the truth that he loved you enough that Jesus would die on the cross for you. And then he would display that power by coming back to life and giving you the Holy Spirit to live and to enjoy his presence forever. But there's people around you that need to be affirmed that you love them, that you care for them. Because that's how we live in this community. God's appointed you to display his love to those around you. And so when we're all doing it, it's potluck time. It's time to enjoy each other's presence and and pray for one another as we make this journey. So it says then, what happened then after they laid their hands on them and they went to work, the word of God spread, the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many. Here's here's something that just must have baffled them. A great many of the priests, (laughs) of the priests came to believe. (laughs) That must have been amazing to see, right? Because they were the ones that crucified Jesus. They were the ones that were, right? The Sadducees, they were the ones... And they were coming to faith and they were enjoying this love. The priests of all people. Wow. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, you know, I never thought about me in that way that God could use me, but he's been using me. Or maybe you're here today and you really haven't entered into God's love and you really haven't believed. May this be the day that you believe that God died on the cross, that Jesus, that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, that he died on the cross for your sins, he rose again, and the pouring out of his Spirit means love. So no matter whether somebody's loving you or not, your responsibility and my responsibility is to love. And the Holy Spirit leads us in what that looks like. Okay, where's the love? Well, it's right here. It's right next to you. It's just waiting to come out. The love of God. 
growing pains. We're going to find growing pains all the way until the Lord takes us home. We're going to find growing pains. But it's in how we handle those growing pains that we love God. So our time is up. And I'm going to just pray. And then here's the instruction. Um, We're going to pray over the food so then we won't have to pray again. But there needs to be, there's two long plastic tables downstairs. They need to come up and they need to be put diagonally in the lobby. And then the tables need to be filled. There's a couple of of, um, tablecloths. I was going to say bedspreads. There's a couple of... (laughs) Um, there to be put on and then the food comes out onto there. If you're not part of that and you can't do something, find a nice place to sit out there for a little bit while we, the rest of us will transform this room into a dining room. And so if you're just patient with that, uh, I put some tape up here to mark where the, there's the table, the leg of this table starts here And there's four tables that go back and there's another mark over there. Four tables go back and then we have to guess where the other two go that way. They have to be shorter because of the piano. So somehow the chairs need to all change and it's going to be a beautiful thing to see with all the commotion happening. You know the goal is to love one another while we do this. (laughs) Okay. All right. And so let me just thank the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that at this point in time, we're embracing this specific moment right now where you've called us to this place to share a meal with one another, and that's showing love. That's one of the most intimate things we can do with anybody, share a meal together, because then we get to talk. And help us to talk about life with each other. Help us to feel uh, comfortable just talking about the things we like and the things that we're doing and, and, and that we hear each other out. May it just be a, a comfortable time for everybody, just that we're family. And I just thank you, Lord God. Thank you for providing the food and bless the food as nourishment. Lord, as we need food or we'll die, we need your spirit food every day. And so we've been eating already your spirit food, the daily manna that you've been giving us um, and, and then we're going to share physical food. And we just thank you, Lord God. We praise your name. Lord, I thank you for uh, uh, those that you have chosen to send and go. And, and, um, and so I thank you for Bryce and Amy and Annalise. I think I got Annalise and uh, April and Elena and, and Weston and Jacob um, they're in this transition and they're here um, needing the love, needing prayer support, needing finances to do what they do by supporting, um, supporting this organization that helps teachers. And as Bryce has been called to be the tech guy in the videos, and that is so important, especially nowadays. And we just ask blessing on them. Lord, help them to just feel family today, just feel accepted and loved. And we just want to bless your name. And I, I want to pray for Jim, especially here too. Jim needs a house. He's been living in his car. And we've got a couple of things that are being worked out. And we just thank you for Jim being with us. And Lord, show us how 
uh, you want to provide for Jim. And uh, we just bless your name. And then, Lord, finally, we just keep praying for Naya. We pray healing for Naya and the whole McGuire family in this, in this time, uh, this season in the time of, of taking care of the, this little one. So, Lord, we bless your name and we thank you that you are the God of all things. You've provided everything that we need for life and godliness. It's your powerful, uh, divine nature, divine spirit. And so that may that be evident. May you be evident in us, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, amen.